Our gospel this morning comes from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14, and can be found on page 1675 of your pew Bible. John records, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? even after I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Coming home for the holidays is a wonderful tradition that many families enjoy. The hosts often have a wonderful time with their children, their grandchildren, and even great-grandchildren. Additionally, the returning children, well, they enjoy a few days away from the frustrations of the 
rat race of a job and the other responsibilities of the world. Often, siblings who at one time were at each other's throats in childhood now find friendship and brotherly love as adults. It is a time to leave troubles behind. There is rest. There is quiet and a low level of anxiety. Let me ask you, what is it like for those of you who host these reunions? Are you busy cleaning up the spare bedroom? Stocking up food? Preparing meals for two dozen instead of maybe just two? Do you find yourself cooking foods that your doctor doesn't allow you to eat? What do you do to prepare your house for family to come and visit? Is there joy in the preparation due to the anticipation of the family reunion? In many ways, many ways, the joy and happiness and love of a family get-together reminds me of the paradise that awaits all believers. On the other hand, here on earth, there are some glaring differences with heaven. That is to say that some reminders that there exist some reminders that we are still in this sinful world. Let me explain. Because during these reunions, the younger grandchildren might fight over toys and get cranky at bedtime. And sometimes people get sick and need to see the doctor. And many times things don't go exactly according to plan. Most of all, the family reunion is different from the reunion in heaven because here on earth, the clock, the clock still ticks. And time comes when the families must all say their goodbyes and return to the tension and the stress of living in this fallen world. The clock also ticks in another way. The time comes when the family gets together and someone's missing. A long, lingering illness takes one of the matriarchs or patriarchs of the clan. Automobile accidents, injuries, or even tragic random acts of violence mean that even the younger members of the family can go missing. And it is at those times the words that Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room, those words can be of a great, great comfort. For Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. And these words remind us that heaven is the place where we experience the perfect love of God. 
It is the perfection of things that are far beyond even the best experiences on this earth. It is the place of perfect rest and perfect peace. The clock has no power in heaven, for heaven never ends. And there is no parting, no death. Heaven is rightly called eternal life. Now, at the risk of sounding like an infomercial, I am going to say, yes, I am. But wait, there's more. Not only does the Father have a room for you, not only has Christ prepared that room so that it is uniquely perfect for you, you don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven to receive the blessings, the blessings of the special place in your Father's house. Christ is giving you the blessing of that special place right now. Jesus said this, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. When the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts and gives us the knowledge of Jesus, we also receive knowledge of the Father. We know that God is with us in all things and at all times. And when the evil forces of this world attack our houses here on this earth, we know that the God of all things is with us to sustain us in our times of travel, <laughs> trial and travel. When illnesses or injuries knock us down, God is with us to carry us through the ordeal. Many of you have experienced that. God with you in those health crises. When the clock ticks down to the end and death stands at our door, Christ is there to take us to our Father's house because Jesus has prepared a room in our Father's house. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will be with us through all time and through all eternity. Now, not only shall we live in our Father's house, but he will also be with us while we wait here on earth. Unfortunately, heaven is not the only possible destination for those who leave this world. There is another destination where the clock has no power, and that place is the damnation of things that are far worse than even the worst experience here on earth. It is a place of eternal separation from God, for Jesus himself will say to those who go to this place, this place in Matthew 7, verse 11, he says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me.
This place has no rest and no peace. There is the pain of grief. There is the pain of pain. There's sorrow and there's suffering and there's death. But there is no final release or escape from this eternal process of dying. As God said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 66, 24, he talks about the worm. It says, Their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And many times Jesus himself said in Matthew 8, 12, in 13, 42, in 50 and 22, 13, he says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is rightly called eternal death. Now, billions of people on this planet believe that there is some sort of existence after death. Most of them believe that there is some system of justice beyond this life. And while there are many different ideas about the nature of that justice, the agreement is on one thing. That is this, that the rewards of heaven are infinitely preferable to the punishments of hell. The one really important question among all people is this. How can I have the assurance that I will go to heaven when my time here is over? Now, you can come to an earthly family reunion from many different directions. From the north, from the south, from the east to the west, and all points in between. You can take back roads, and you can take state highways and interstates, and even if you get a little bit lost along the way, you can still recover and find the family reunion safely. Now, sin, death, and Satan want us to believe that there are also many ways to get to heaven. For example, there are people that I've spoken with that claim to have their own personal spirituality. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I have my own personal spirituality. And that is this. This is the theology that works for them as well. Often there is the caveat, though, the caveat that they should not be judged. And there are others that take bits and parts of the Holy Bible to uphold as truth while ignoring other truths by stating the Bible was meaningful for the times in which it was written. But were it written today, it would be much different. Still others believe that there are thousands of gods all over the world and that at some point in your life you must choose one and worship him, her, or it. And when I tell people like this, I tell them that my God died for me on a cross and then rose from the dead. Well, some smile, nod with a kind of good for you type of way. And others 
Well, they respond with offense or even derision. And unfortunately, most never quite get the idea that the God I worship is the true, the only true God and our only way of salvation. The world wants us to believe that our eternal destiny is like a religious smorgasbord from which we get to pick and choose. And that one religion is just as good as another. This goes back quite a while, but way back when, I noticed the attitude like this in news coverage. Back when Pope John Paul II died in 2005, or Benedict died in 2013, there was a whole lot of news about it. Do you remember? We got to see, you know, the ins and outs of uh, replacing a pope. There was a great deal of praise for these men and the work that they did to bring unity to the world. And the news commentators even suggested that these are great men, great popes, even Pope Francis too, led the, the Roman Catholic Church to acknowledge the religion of Islam. The Vatican acknowledge, acknowledges the religion of Islam. And it quickly became obvious that these commentators, they don't really care if a pope is right or wrong. Their only concern was that the popes advanced the cause of tolerance in this world. And they were interested in lowering the standards of faith so that every religious philosophy stood on an equal footing with all of the others. In fact, as far as the world is concerned, the only wrong religions are the religions that claim to be the exclusive way to salvation. The world's view is exactly the opposite of what Jesus told his disciples. And he said this, you know this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. The only one who can take us to the Father's house is the Son who comes from that house. And Jesus Christ is that Son. He is the way to the Father. He is the truth that keeps us on that way. He is the life that is the destination of that way. And without Jesus, there is no way None to the Father. And without Jesus, there is no saving truth. And without Jesus, there is no spiritual life. Jesus is not just one of many ways to the Father. He is the only way to the Father. He is the beginning. He is the middle. 
He is the destination of our faith. Any, any religion that is not based on the person and of the work of Jesus Christ is, is false. And it leads to eternal suffering in hell. Now it may seem that I am getting repetitive. I hope you don't think that I'm being mean. But the reason I'm being repetitive is this, is that it is because it is so easy for us to forget the teaching. We want to get along. We don't want to make waves. We are so tempted to believe that a person's salvation is based on a person's work, how nice they are. You've heard this, maybe even said it. I know I have. But how often do we say or hear something like this? Surely God has a special place for her. She gives so much to the hungry. Or something like, I know God has a special place for him because he is always ready to help out when there is need. Or, she sure worked so hard to raise those kids. I know that God has a special reward just for her, and so forth. Now listen. God may indeed, he may indeed have a special place for these people. I believe he does. But it will be because of the work of Jesus Christ and not because of anything they have done. At first, this may sound like it is all law. No gospel. But Christ's teaching really is the good news. It is the gospel, his teaching. Jesus Christ did not say, we are the way, the truth, and the life. If he had said that, that'd be pure law. It really would. And if it were true, we would all be doomed if we were the way. Instead, Jesus said that, this, I am the way and the truth and the life. It is Jesus who makes it possible for us to call God our Father and to have a room in his house. Now, how did Jesus do that? Well, he left his father's house and he came to earth to do the works of his Father. And while he was here, he took on human nature, and he lived a righteous life under the authority of the law. He allowed the authorities to arrest him, to torture him, and to put him on a cross. And by doing these things, he satisfied his Father's wrath his righteous wrath that was against us for our sin. And this is how we became, this is how he became, the way for us to enter his Father's house. And we have confidence that he is the way because, well, because he rose from the dead. And this is the reason that he could say, if I go, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you will be also. His resurrection 
assures us that we shall rise from a death and that he will take us to live with him. Boy, what, what gracious, comforting words Jesus shared with his disciples in that upper room on the evening before he went to the cross on the night in which he was betrayed. His words are full of comfort and reassurance. And how gracious it is of Christ to prepare a uniquely perfect room for every one of us in his Father's house. Yesterday, Tracy and I got to see a unique, perfect room in her sister's house. All the kids have moved out. They've taken over their rooms, and they made guest rooms and prepared them perfectly for guests to come. It, it uh, really hit me hard preparing for this. How comforting it is to know that Jesus will bring us to his Father's house safely because he himself is the way. And how reassuring it is to know that Jesus is the full presence of God with us. And most of all, how wonderful it is to know that Jesus' perfect life, Jesus' sacrificial death, and glorious resurrection mean that his Father is also our Father, and his Father's house is also our eternal home. In the name of Jesus, amen.